When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Welcome Earnhardt in. Jr. Kirk Street is on the phone. It is Thursday, January 12th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. When I tell you we have a jam-packed Thursday episode, didn't know if we'd go Thursday, Friday this week, but we will. We got ourselves a jam-packed show. Here's what you need to know about today's show. We're going to open with a little college football, just kind of put a bow on the season. Georgia wins the national championship, but I heard something on Wednesday and it made me think something that's going to sound crazy to you, but I don't believe that it is. That thought, the question, is it possible that one day Kirby Smart with two national championships under his belt surpasses Nick Saban, seven national championships and passes Nick Saban as the greatest coach of all time. It sounds crazy. It's a million years down the road. But when you listen to this segment, I'm telling you, you're going to think about this a little bit differently because I think it is in the cards, and I don't think anybody else is talking about it. From there, we will switch to college hoops. We're going to talk about Kentucky, South Carolina, not the South Carolina game itself, but the reality, this Kentucky program is going sideways. I never thought there was a scenario where John Calipari was not back as the head coach of Kentucky next year, but I think it's at least possible. And so because of it, we're going to go through coaching candidates. I'm going to basically do Mitch Barnhart's work for him. I'm going to put together a list for him, and I am going to put together the sales pitch for about six or seven guys that Kentucky needs to consider if somehow John Calipari is not back next year. And finally, we'll wrap talking the Wednesday slate of college hoops, Arkansas, Alabama, UConn, Marquette, Xavier Creighton, on and on and on and on and on. Before we get started, a couple actually quick announcements here on the Aaron Torres Pod. One, we have a new member of Aaron Torres Media, a guy who you will hear on this podcast on Friday. I am so excited about this. Jamie and Christian is a guy who has been involved in college basketball for about 15 years. He has led two different teams to an NCAA tournament. He was the head coach at Mount St. Mary's when they made the NCAA tournament in 2013 and 2017 has since been head coach at Siena, has since been head coach at George Washington, out of coaching this year. And he is joining Aaron Torres Media for the rest of the college basketball season as a college basketball analyst, okay? He is going to join the Aaron Torres pod, this show you're listening to, 
once every two weeks. His first appearance will be this Friday. And I think he's going to give you just an incredibly different perspective on college basketball, even just talking to him, texting him, hearing how he perceives things. It's going to be incredible. We're going to talk everything. We're not just going to talk, is North Carolina good or not? We'll talk coaching. We'll talk transfer portal. We'll talk NIL. You guys and girls are always welcome to submit questions for me to ask him because I think he's going to bring such a unique perspective to this show. As a guy who was a college head coach for 10 years, he uh, was an assistant on VCU's Final Four team in 2011. He has a wealth of knowledge. I'm so excited to get started. He'll be on Friday's show. By the way, the College Hoops Daily Podcast, which is part of Aaron Torres Media, he will be joining every Wednesday. His first appearance was yesterday as you listen to this. Zach Kroll is the host there. Zach and Jamie will be every Wednesday, and he'll actually be doing a little bit of writing as well for Aaron Torres online. But Jamie and Christian will join me starting Friday. I think you're going to really enjoy that segment. If you have any questions for a former D1 head coach, please feel free to reach out. And finally, the last... What am I looking... What's the word I'm looking for? I just tripped over my own words there. Uh, the last announcement. This is That's the word I was looking for, and it is a big one. The last announcement. We have our final winner. Week 18 Bracket Fanatics. Remember, we've been working with Bracket Fanatics all year. Bracketfanatics.com. We worked with them in the NCAA tournament. We did an Aaron Torres pod NFL Pick'em Challenge. Every single week, you had to pick every single game. Winner every week got a $100 cash prize, and the season-long $1,000 cash prize has been decided. First of all, week 18, congrats to Dangerous. Dangerous wins week 18, $100 in cash, courtesy of Bracket Fanatics. But how about this? Going into the final Saturday and Sunday of the NFL, who day wins was trailing by three games going into the final weekend of the season, and who day wins rallies and is our thousand dollar bracket fanatics champion, courtesy of bracket fanatics. Yes, the bracket fanatics champion, courtesy of bracket fanatics. So, who day wins, you will receive an email from bracket fanatics. Also, Dangerous, you will also receive an email from Bracket Fanatics. And if you won any week this year, you'll receive an email from Bracket Fanatics, a, a guy named Doug. He's my uh, my guy over there. He will reach out to you. You will get your weekly winnings. And who day wins will get the $1,000 season-long cash prize. Congrats to who day wins. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, uh, obviously, look, we are now, what, 70, little under 72 hours removed from Monday night's national championship game. Georgia obliterates TCU. And one thing about this show, you guys and girls know, we are going to continue to talk college football on this show pretty much all offseason long. Crazy stuff is happening. As a matter of fact, we're not going to get to it today. Florida just got a decommitment from a kid that was signed, sealed, and delivered. Five-star player, uh, Jaden Rashada, who we've talked about a lot on this show. So a lot is going to happen in college football. It's college football. Crazy stuff always seems to happen. But what I want to do is kind of, sort of kind of be in that middle ground for today's show on both looking back on this past season and looking ahead to the future of the sport. And coming out of Monday, Georgia obviously won their second straight national championship. And I, and I think there's a couple interesting conversations that are just kind of coming out of that whole situation. 
First off, uh, Georgia is going to be favored as the, you know, the team to, they're going to be the team to pick that gets picked to win next year's national championship. They are the odds on favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook plus 250 going into next year. We'll talk about it in a minute. Kirby Smart says he thinks next year's team actually has a chance to be better than this year's one. So a lot of people are already talking about way too early top 25s. I've heard a couple of people kind of start the conversation. Can we call Georgia a dynasty after back-to-back national championships? But what I really want to hit on today is actually something a little bit different that I don't think any other show is going to talk about. But I think it's an interesting conversation that you're going to think I'm crazy. But when I talk it out and I explain it, I'm going to do the Torres thing where I think that I will convince you that I might be right on a topic. And what is that topic? That topic is this. Is it possible that many years from now, when everyone listening to this segment is old and gray, is it possible that at some point in the next like 30 years that Kirby Smart actually surpasses Nick Saban's seven national championships? And is there a moment in time in the very, very distant future where hopefully I'm not doing a crazy podcast, who knows how we'll be consuming sports by then? Is it possible that Kirby Smart will one day retire as the greatest college football coach of all time. And so I think when I say that, everybody, the immediate default is, oh my God, this is a hot take. Oh my God, it's day two of the offseason and you're already going crazy trying to figure out content. And I, I do think there's a degree of, if that's how you think, I get it. I don't blame you because if I saw this as a headline, I would say somebody is trying way too hard for clicks. But I heard something interesting that really made me think this probably isn't a crazy conversation. And what was that thing that I heard? Well, I was listening to another podcast. I won't say who, uh, because frankly, they're a competitor of mine. Good, good podcast, but whatever. And I heard somebody kind of mention in passing, yeah, Georgia's second straight national championship. Kirby Smart still in his 40s. How much, how much success could this guy have going forward? And my first reaction was, that guy cannot be in his 40s. Like, there is no way... Kirby Smart is in his 40s. And my immediate reaction is obvious. It's how can he be in his 40s? This guy was basically the defensive coordinator at Alabama, the number two behind Nick Saban for basically close to a decade. He got that job, I believe, in 2009, right prior to, to Alabama's first national championship. So if he was 40 in 2009, that makes him 52, 53, 54 right now. But then I pulled out my phone. It has this incredible thing called Google on it. And I saw something that I could not believe. Kirby Smart is just 47 years old right now as the head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs, and he actually just turned 47 in December. And so I started doing some math in my head, and I said, you know, he could one day catch Nick Saban. He could one day be great, because let's just break it down, and let's just talk about the numbers of the logic of whether Kirby Smart would actually ever potentially pass Nick Saban as the greatest coach of all time. So first of all, again, it, it, you know, to quote my buddy JJ Reddick, it's a simple math equation. F head, not my words, JJ Reddick. Okay, so why I, I I thought about this was when I found out Kirby Smart was in his forties. I said, well, Nick Saban is seventy one, and we can criticize the season that Alabama just had, but I think we all agree Nick Saban is still doing it at an insane, insane level. So if Nick Saban's seventy one and Kirby Smart's forty seven, that means that if Kirby Smart just coaches until Nick Saban. Till the, till the age that Nick Saban is now, Kirby Smart has another 24 years as a head coach. And he doesn't have to do it at some low level. He doesn't have to start here. He is already at arguably the best job in college football 
with two national titles under his belt at 47. And so you start doing the math, a couple things stand out. One, Nick Saban, for as great as he is, and he is great. So um, this is not a tear down Nick Saban segment, to be perfectly clear. Nick Saban didn't win his national, first national championship till 2003. Nick Saban was 52 at the time. Nick Saban didn't win his second national championship until 2009 when he was 58 at the time. And so Kirby Smart has five years on Nick Saban's first national championship. He didn't get his until he was 52. Kirby Smart has two. And Nick Saban didn't get his second until he was over a decade older than Kirby Smart is now. And so if I told you that Kirby Smart coached until he was 71 years old, I did some math. Math is a key word in this segment. He would coach until the year 2047. Nick Saban has seven national championships. Kirby Smart currently has two. You mean to tell you that if I'm giving you Kirby Smart all of the 2020s, all of the 2030s, and most of the 2040s to win six more national championships and pass Saban or five more national championships to tie him? You mean to tell me you don't think Kirby Smart can do it? That's like one every five years. I'm not saying it will happen, but I'm saying it could happen. Why could it happen? One, Kirby Smart's really freaking good at his job. Kirby Smart, and again, I, I think I talked about it on Monday's show, Monday or Tuesday's show, reaction show. Tuesday was such a whirlwind, post-game, hotel, ballroom, whatever. I don't think I broke it down, but I'll say this. This week was the first time that I've spent any extensive time around Kirby Smart, and I'm blown away. I'm blown away by seeing the operation that is Georgia football. Everybody in that building that has an assignment, that has a responsibility. It was interesting. After the game, after the players came off the field, I was walking out, and I saw a table with food being put out, drinks being put out, all that good stuff. And it, to, to everyone else, it would mean nothing, right? But to me, what it said was Kirby Smart has everything down to a science in that building, down to who is in charge of making sure that the players have a meal the second that they walk off the field. Maybe it's nothing to you, but to me, what that says is hyper-organization. So it's not just about coaching. It's not just about recruiting. It's not just about development. It is about the organizational structure that he already has in place. And then on top of that, you have the fact that he is an elite recruiter, that he is an elite developer, that he is, oh, by the way, um, now a now great X's and O's coach. I think we questioned it early on in his career, not so much anymore, not the X's and O's, but could he win the big games? We know he's a great X's and O's guy. This guy checks every single box, and he's still only 47. Two, and I think this is important, he's going to be in great shape to go three for three next year. Sounds crazy. Don't want to put the cart before the horse. But as I just said, Georgia is actually the favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook right now, plus 250 to win the national title. Basically, two and a half to one odds. I said it. So, so we did a way too early top 25 on Aaron Torres Online. Did a segment for it on YouTube. Georgia's like the overwhelming favorite going into next year, especially, by the way, if Jim Harbaugh retires. Because while Georgia loses Stetson Bennett, what's crazy about Georgia, and I may have talked about this on Tuesday's show, I don't remember, this year was actually supposed to be the rebuilding year. 2021, you have a historically great group of players. I don't know if they're a historically great team, but a historically great group of players that included 15 NFL draft picks, an NFL record, and five first-round picks off the defense, also an NFL record. And so you lose 15 players off last year's team that were all drafted, five first-rounders. This was the rebuilding year. And oh, by the way, 
most of the key contributors actually return next year. Now, Stetson Bennett, the quarterback, doesn't return. Jalen Carter, the star edge rusher. Keely Ringo, the star corner, don't return. But there's a lot of really talented players that return. Smile Munden, uh, the star edge rusher, he'll be back. Brock Bowers will be back. Oh, by the way, Kirby Smart brought in two elite receivers in the portal to help the new starting quarterback, very likely Carson Beck. And so Georgia could go three for three next year. And so now all of a sudden you're talking about three for three, but even if they don't, again, the years and numbers are on his side. And finally, and I think this is an important part, and it's something that I think we've talked about, but everybody's talked about. And Aaron Murray talked about it on Monday's show. There's no real reason to think this has to slow down. Everything is in place for Kirby Smart to continue to win like this as long as he feels like being at Georgia. And frankly, it's set up for beyond Kirby Smart at this point. SEC money in a world where increasingly, if you're not in the SEC or the Big Ten, you're falling behind. The best natural recruiting base in all of college football, probably in the state of Georgia. By the way, Georgia, the Sun Belt, it is taking on new population. Georgia's population is growing every day, while places like California, the Midwest, the Northeast, it's decreasing every day. People are moving to Georgia. Number one recruiting base, elite facilities, elite resources. He gets paid well. His assistants get paid well. Athens is a great place to live. There is no reason to think that this thing is going to slow down anytime soon. And so the idea, again, you give me the rest of the 2020s, the 2030s, and most of the 2040s, I feel pretty good that he's going to hit that number of eventually eight national championships. Now, there are a few reasons we have to be fair why it might not happen. And again, if you're betting it, you probably shouldn't bet that he will do it but that it might happen and why it might not or why it might not happen. Excuse me. Why it might not happen. A couple things. One, I just think burnout, right? I do think it's a lot to be a college football coach in 2022, 2023. And we talk about it all the time. The recruiting, the, the portal, re-recruiting your players. Every guy on the roster is a free agent every year. NIL is now a factor. That's something. That's something that is going to push, I believe, a lot of guys out of college football. I believe it's why Jim Harbaugh is very seriously considering leaving college football. He's like, if I got, if I can pick my own players, at least I can get them. You know, if I if I have to pick my own players, re-recruit them, well, I'll just draft them and sign them to contracts so they can't get out of it every year. Burnout to me is a real thing, and I and I do think I don't think we'll see pl- coaches coach into their seventies, even the great ones like Nick Saban going forward. Two, path is going to get tougher, right? SEC is about to get really good. It's about to get two really good programs in Texas and Oklahoma. Now, does Texas ever figure it out? I don't know. But they sure seem situated very nicely in the new era of college football to have success. Ton of NIL money, uh, offensive coach, two five-star quarterbacks on the roster. Oklahoma, listen, I don't think Brent Venables is the guy. We've talked about it. But he's doing a great job in the portal right now. They have a five-star quarterback coming in. And that's on top of everything else going on already in, 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 in the SEC, Alabama, LSU, Florida, South Carolina, whoever you want to say are Georgia's biggest threats, Tennessee over the next decade. So it's not going to be easy. And I think the last part that's going to make it a lot harder is college football playoffs is expanding. So even a great program like Georgia, even if you win the SEC, um, you're still going to have one more game that you have to win. And as we saw against Ohio State, anything can happen in a one-and-done situation where Georgia was a touchdown favorite and had to hold on for dear life. So I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse because that college football playoff expansion, I really do think, is going to be a big thing. Um, and I do question, like, it's going to be, you're going to have to win one more game. It's going to make it that much harder. And remember, too, only right now, the way the current 12-team playoff is set up, 
only conference champions are going to be eligible for a, a first round buy in the 12 team playoff. And so Georgia could be the second best team in the SEC. They could go 12 and 0, lose to Alabama in the SEC title game. They're going to have to play a fourth college football playoff game to win a national championship. And so I only bring it up to say, and, and, and oh, by the way, that's under the 12 team model. And yet, no, at some point, people are going to get greedy, say it's not enough money, and expand it beyond 12. So there's a lot of reasons to think that Kirby Smart will never catch Nick Saban. And again, this isn't an anti Nick Saban segment. I'll tell you what, I think it's an interesting conversation, something worth discussing with your friends and family if they love college football. All right, what I do. I do want to take a quick break. Come back. When we come back, we're going to talk a little college hoops. We'll get to some of the Wednesday games later on. I think we got to talk a little Kentucky, though. Um, I, I, I never believed that John Calipari would coach anywhere else. I never believed that he would be out after this year. But you lose to South Carolina the way they did. I don't think it's inconceivable that John Calipari is not the head coach of Kentucky starting next year. So the question becomes, who could be next? We look at the candidates, take a quick break, be right back. All right, we're getting back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know Betfred's story started in 1967 in the UK. Over 1,600 shops in the UK have come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, Colorado Rockies, Denver Broncos. And what I love about working with Betfred, nobody does more for their customers than Betfred does. Okay, I've told you before, but I'm going to keep telling you. Cincinnati Bengals games, that Betfred suite is rocking. They had a New Year's Eve into New Year's Day party for the launch of sports betting in the state of Ohio. Shout out to all of you who were there. Obviously, beyond that, there is the Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. We have sent listeners of this show to those tailgates. Colorado Rockies, first pitch at those games. Betfred does more for their customers than anybody, and here is what they are doing. For listeners of the Aaron Torres podcast, okay, it's what you got to do. Bet 50 on any game and new users. How about this? Get up to a thousand dollars in free bets. There are no catches. There are no gimmicks. Here's what you need to know. Bet 50 on any game. You get automatically $111 in free bets. But beyond that, you get $200 insurance on your first five weeks as a Betfred customer. So you decided, hey, I'm going to bet this big game, hundred bucks, 200 bucks, whatever. You end up losing it. They're going to insure you for that game. So up to five weeks, up to $200, plus $111 for signing up for Betfred today. You're going to want to do it. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Tell them Torres sent you. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, the Betfred Sportsbook. All right, everybody. I am back. Going to be back. Going to be back. I do want to. Switch gears, and I do want to talk a little college hoops. And in a minute, we'll get to kind of the Wednesday night slate. It was a jam-packed slate, a lot of good games. UConn, Marquette, Arkansas, Alabama. But before we get to all that, what I do want to start with is the continuing narrative and storyline that, frankly, is sucking all the oxygen out of the college basketball conversation on a national scale right now. And it's the continued downfall of the Kentucky Wildcats. And obviously, look, Kentucky's the biggest probably brand in college basketball. You know, they're in the short conversation. And we've talked about them a lot over the last couple of years. And I, I don't plan to discuss them every single night, every single episode when we talk college hoops. But it's hard not to, as this program continues to hit low after low after low 
missing the NCAA tournament in 2021 during that weird COVID bubble year. Uh, 2022, last year, you lose to St. Peter's. But I would say Tuesday night at home against Rupp Arena felt like rock bottom, okay? They lose at home on Tuesday night to a South Carolina team that I would argue coming into the night was the worst team in the SEC, 7-8 and eight overall, uh, coming off of a 43-point loss to Tennessee on Saturday. And so throughout the Kentucky season, I've tried to kind of explain and rationalize and talk through some of these low points. Wasn't worried about Michigan State was disappointed in the effort against Gonzaga. Alabama, really good team last weekend. Missouri, first SEC road game, who knows, crazy environment, whatever. Well, what I would say is this. There is simply no excuse for what happened Tuesday night at home at Rupp Arena. You lose to what I would argue coming in, we thought was the worst team in the SEC. I don't know that you can even say that anymore. Kentucky might actually be worse. And you do it in a game where your team has no heart, no fight, you fall down 13 to two. And I know Casey Wallace got hurt. Well, Casey Wallace wasn't hurt when you fell down 13 to two. And so what I would say in the segment that I want to do now is this, I'm not going to break down the game. We've talked about Kentucky enough, but what I would say is this, is this, if you had asked me a year ago, if you had asked me after the NCAA tournament last year, if you had asked me a week ago, I would say that there is no scenario where John Calipari is not the Kentucky basketball coach to open next season, 2023-2024. But in the last week, with the way things are going, embarrassed at Alabama, and then this loss to South Carolina, which does feel like rock bottom, what I would say is I don't think it's a 0% proposition anymore that John Calipari isn't coaching at Kentucky next year. Now, I still think it's likely. If I had to bet my life savings in Vegas on such a prop, I would still expect him to lead Kentucky out of the tunnel in 2023-2024, But I think even a week ago, I would have said it's 0% anybody else is coaching Kentucky next year. I don't think that we can say that anymore because we know, as I discussed on the show on Monday and Travis Branham confirmed, John Calipari is going to listen if Texas calls. I believe, and I have been told by people that know John Calipari, John Calipari is going to listen if an NBA team calls. Now, I don't think any of those teams are going to call, not with the way they're playing, but the point I'm trying to make, is there some scenario where John Calipari is not coaching Kentucky next year? I think there is. Maybe Texas calls. Maybe the NBA calls. Maybe they convince him to to step into retirement or take the early retirement. I don't know. But because it's not 0% anymore, I think we at least have to have the conversation of who would Kentucky call if this job conceivably opens sometime around the end of the season. And so what I want to do now, I put together a list of names like everybody does in a situation like this. And I want to talk out all the candidates. Again, if I had to bet, I think John Calipari is the head coach of Kentucky in 2023-2024. I don't know who else is going to hire him. He's not leaving. You're not firing him with the buyout in the tens of millions of dollars. But I don't think it's inconceivable that some way, somehow, he isn't your head coach next year. So let's go through the candidates. And I want to start with some big ones. Ones that, frankly, probably would say no. But... The first name, if I was Mitch Barnard, if I was the AD of Kentucky and we find out that John Calipari is not coming back, he's going to Texas, he's going to the NBA, he decides to take an early retirement, not saying it's going to happen. John Calipari is going to get all his money. The first call I would make, the first call I would make is to former Villanova head coach Jay Wright. And so, again, don't think Cal's leaving. And I don't think Jay Wright is saying yes. I don't think Jay Wright is taking the job, 
But when I think about Jay Wright, this is what stands out to me about Jay Wright as I think about the next 10 years of his life. And yes, I spent part of Tuesday thinking about Jay Wright, Jay Wright's future in the next 10 years of Jay Wright's life, okay? I think it was actually Wednesday, but neither here nor there. The point I'm trying to make is this, is that when I look at Jay Wright, I think there's one important thing that we have to remember about Jay Wright when he stepped aside at Villanova last year. Jay Wright, even in his closing press conference, said, I am retiring as the basketball coach at Villanova. He did not say, I'm retiring as a basketball coach. He did not say, I'm retiring from basketball. He said, I'm retiring as the basketball coach from Villanova. And I think this is an important part. He said, I am burned out right now. And he even said he would reevaluate things. He's kind of in an ambassador role for the university. And he said, I can't tell you what it's going to be like a year from now. And so I believe that at some point, Jay Wright is going to coach again. And I actually believe the circumstances in which he left Villanova were totally unique. And I think we we haven't talked about them enough. Now, if you listen to this show, you're smart and you know that I talk about this all the time. But when it comes to Jay Wright, what you need to remember, it wasn't just that he was tired of college basketball. It wasn't just that it was about NIL or the transfer portal or this or that. What Jay Wright, Jay Wright was literally burned out. Here were the last two years of Jay Wright's life at 59, 60, 61 years old before he announced his retirement as Villanova's basketball coach. Remember, 2020-2021 was the most stressful college basketball season for anyone in the history of college basketball and the history of sports. You're testing basically every day. You don't know who's going to be available for practice. You don't know if you're if you're going to be available for practice. Your assistants, you're doing meetings via Zoom. You can't be in the gym every single, like it was just so abnormal. But remember this about Jay Wright. Not only did he do that, then he immediately went to coach on Team USA as an assistant coach with Team USA in the 2021 Olympics, which had been pushed back from a year and they were in Tokyo. Jay Wright talked about it on this podcast. He was a guest on this podcast. It was a bubble environment. They basically, he went straight from Villanova in a bubble to Team USA in a bubble where they went to Japan, they quarantined, stayed in their hotel, could really only get together for practices and games, and then he came back home and then coached another season after that. So you're basically talking about two full years where Jay Wright came straight out of COVID and coached nothing but basketball, the travel, the rigors, the this, the that. And so that's why I don't believe he's retired. Roy Williams is retired. Coach K is retired. I don't believe that Jay Wright is retired. Now, I believe if he gets back and when he comes back, it's almost certainly going to be in the NBA. But if I was Mitch Barnhard, I would give him a call and offer that Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley money that's going to be really hard to turn down. Now, maybe he turns it down. He made a lot of money. He's 60 plus years old. His kids are out of the house, whatever. But what I would do, and I'm going to use, if you're driving in the car with your kids, turn it down for about half a second because I'm going to use some, uh, you know, use some language here. Mitch Barnhart, if you want to go after Jay Wright, what I would say is this. This is my piece of advice, Mitch Barnhart. If you're going to go after Jay Wright or any of these really big candidates, you got to have some BDE. You know what BDE is? Need some big dick energy. In other words, excuse my language. In other words, you ain't going to Jay Wright with a six-year, $30 million contract. Six-year, $35 million. You have to come to him with that Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, you can't say no money. If I'm Mitch Barnhart, I'm calling my boosters. 
And I'm just starting to get a feel for, hey, we're going to make a move and we need you on support. I would start with a baseline, minimum, eight years, $80 million contract. Not great at math, but that's $10 million a year. You'd be the highest paid coach. Come to Kentucky. Save this program. We're going to give you eight full years guaranteed. Retire. You're going to have a statue built in Philly. Have one built here. I don't know that he says yes, but again, if you're even going to back channel with Jay Wright, you can't goof off. This isn't a joke. This is you get one shot and at the very least put an offer on his desk that makes him take a deep breath, grab his wife and have a, open a bottle of wine to really think this one through. OK, it's almost like, you know, the, the, the Rick George, Rick George is the Colorado AD. Remember when they asked him how he was going to afford Deion Sanders contract? He goes, I, I don't know. We don't have the money right now, but we'll figure it out. Well, that's what you do with Jay Wright. If you can get Jay Wright on the phone, you offer him so much money. It doesn't matter if you have it right now. You'll figure it out. But that, to me, is the answer on my candidate number one. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. My candidate number two is very similar. It's Brad Stevens, of course, the president of basketball operations with the Boston Celtics, who prior was the Celtics head coach, was the Butler head coach. And to be clear, you know, we talked about that BDE a minute ago. You know what it is. Apparently, Indiana offered him a lot of money when Indiana had a contract uh, uh, opening. Obviously, that was when they hired Mike Woodson. So he has already turned down a lot of money. But a couple things have changed in Brad Stevens' life. One, he stepped away from coaching. And maybe he's totally content to be a front office guy, not to be in practices, not to be traveling, not to be doing this, not to be doing that. But one, he's traveling because I see him at college games all the time scouting. But two, if I was Mitch Barnhart, what I would do is sit him down and say this. Do you want to be some suit up in the front office for the rest of your life? You belong with a whistle around your neck. You belong coaching college basketball. couple other interesting things on Brad Stevens, and obviously I don't need to go through his resume. It speaks for itself. But I I was thinking about a couple interesting things with Brad Stevens. First off, he's 46 years old, okay? And to me, that matters for this reason. He's got kids who are teenagers um, and in some ways, it'd probably be get be harder to get him to leave. But in other ways, 
he doesn't have that FU. He has really, really, really good money. Okay. So I looked up his contract when he left the Boston Celtics, he was making 3.6 million a year. That's a lot of money for you. That's certainly a lot of money for me. I can't speak for all of you, but for me, you pay me $3.6 million. I'm very content, but that isn't life-changing. That isn't setting up my kids and my grandkids kind of money. And so first off, his contract expires, not after this season or next season, but the following year, but he doesn't have a 10 year guaranteed contract. And so again, I would appeal to the father in him, the, 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 the husband in him and say, you come here, we're going to make sure that whether you win one game, you lose one game, you win one national championship, you never win one. That your kids never have to worry about money again. Because $22 million is a lot, but $100 million guaranteed over X number of years, and you can go more years, more whatever with Brad Stevens because he's only 46. More years, more money. Your kids never have to worry about money again. Your grandkids never have to worry about money again. That's how I would appeal to Brad Stevens. He'd be my number two candidate. Now, in terms of the college ranks, there's a couple others that stand out, and we'll get back to uh, one NBA uh, guy that I know you guys and girls want me to talk about in a minute. Uh, but from the college ranks, a couple names stand out, and they're very similar to the ones that we've talked about with Texas. My first call in the college ranks would be to Nate Oates. Nate Oates is young. He's 49 years old. I continue to be blown away by what he does with that program at Alabama. And there's a positive and a negative that comes with Nate Oates. Again, another guy, I'm not going through his entire resume because we know what it is at this point. On a positive, on negative Nate Oates, negative Nate Oates. Let's start with the negative since I just said negative. The negative with Nate Oates is what I talked about with Texas. Unless I'm misreading his contract, he has a $9 million buyout, which means that you're going to have to pay $9 million to get him just to talk to him just to get him on campus, and then you got to pay him probably that eight, nine million a year to actually get him to listen to the job. Obviously, Alabama can match dollar for dollar all that. But what stands out to me about Nate Oates and what I think is interesting, and listen, I've had Nate Oates on this podcast, but I clearly have never asked him about other jobs. But Nate Oates earlier this week had an interesting comment. Nate Oates was asked about a new basketball arena at Alabama. Now, I've never been to Tuscaloosa or certainly not ever been to Coleman Coliseum. But my understanding is it's old, it's outdated. And Nate Oates said something to the effect of, if we want to keep building this program, we need a new arena on this campus, frankly, very similar to what Texas has right now. And to me, that's probably what Texas is selling. But then beyond that, from the Kentucky perspective, that's where you got to come in and say, Alabama, we know, you know, Alabama fans know, right? And I'm going to say two words that are going to drive people nuts. Football school. John Calipari said it this summer, and he's exactly right. Listen, Coach Oates, you, you, you went to Alabama, you were in Nick Saban's shadow, whatever. And by the way, Saban's the greatest to ever do it. Okay, cool. Kirby Smart's coming, coming for that, that title as we just discussed. But I only bring it up to say, I only bring it up to say, why don't you come be our Nick Saban? Why don't you come be our guy that we build a statue for? Now, they may build a statue for you, but it's never going to be bigger than Nick Saban's. And as we know, size matters, at least in statue. I can't speak for anything else, but in statues, the size matters. Come here. We're going to put a, 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 a statue of you and Rupp and this and that. And Cal Perry, too. Cal probably is going to get a statue before it's all said and done. National title, whatever. So Nate Oates is my first call of the current college guys. 
listen, Eric Musselman, the resume speaks for itself. And the thing about Eric Musselman, and we've talked about this with Texas, unless I am misunderstanding his contract, he has a $2 million buyout right now. And I'm sorry. I don't pick sides. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Hunter Yurchek, what are you doing? Hunter Yurchek is the Arkansas ID. Get on the phone with whoever does Coach Muss's contracts. You can't have Eric Musselman with a $2 million buyout in 2023 when we know Texas is open, we know money is of no issue to Texas, and where there's at least a faint possibility that Kentucky will open. Again, I don't think Kentucky's going to open, but you have to be ready. You cannot wait. And so Musselman speaks for himself. Back-to-back Elite Eights. Um, I think the one thing about Musselman, he's the one guy, the thing that made the early part of the John Calipari era so special was that John Calipari came in right away, right away, and said, uh, you know, I'm bringing the number one recruiting class with me, and it flipped overnight. Well, Eric Musselman, he's a quick-fix guy. He ain't waiting for year three to figure it out. He obviously has worked the portal as well as anybody. I think he'd be really interested again. And by the way, Arkansas fans tell me he's never leaving, blah, blah, blah. I think Arkansas is a great job. I think if Kentucky calls you, listen, at the very least, to get yourself a raise. But Hunter Yurchek, don't wait. Don't play Russian roulette. Get this done. Uh, A couple other candidates before we get out of here. You know, Scott Drew is one we talked about with Texas. I don't know that I believe that Scott Drew is going to retire at Baylor. He's a great coach. Baylor's a great school. But they don't have the support of a school like Kentucky. I said it the other day. I, I turned in a Baylor game against TCU. Top 20 matchup at the time. Now, Baylor's struggling a little bit, which may hurt Scott Drew's candidacy in a hypothetical like this. And the place was like 40% full, 60% full for a Baylor-TCU top 20 matchup in-state rivalry. And so to me, that's never going to be... Like, like I, if you're a coach and you've brought a school a national title and you still can't fill up the arena for conference games against top 20 opponents, especially ones in state, I'd be kind of pissed. Now the negative on Scott drew is that because he works at a private school, we have no idea what his contract status is. And because of it, it makes it hard to really gauge what's realistic and what's not. He could have a $25 million buyout for all we know, and he might not be available, but again, this is why you work back channels. This is why you figure these details out. Speaking of massive buyouts, um, Again, this one is available publicly. Mick Cronin, UCLA, has a $20-plus million buyout, so we could probably say no to him. I saw somebody kind of privately suggested Rick Pitino to me. Listen, one, I'm working on Rick Pitino to St. John's, okay? I am the face of Rick Pitino to St. John's. That's one. But two, I will say for Kentucky, one, you know, there's the history, history on the Louisville side, too. But I would say this about Pitino is, you know, he's 70. Like, like I think St. John's, has to try and get Patino. I think other schools have to try and get Patino. I thought Boston College should have gone after him a few years. I thought UNLV should have gone after him. I think Kentucky can get someone younger. I don't think you have to to be desperate for Rick Patino. I think it would be desperation, um, you know, going after him. And then the last guy that I would say really quick, well, two guys, Chris Holtman from Ohio State speaks for himself. He's from Kentucky. Built a really nice program at Ohio State. Again, do you want to be at a basketball school? I know John Calipari got yelled at for calling it a basketball school, but it is a basketball school. And then the last one, I don't know what to think about this one. This is one I have absolutely no sourcing on. Um, I don't know what Billy Donovan's deal is. It's year three with the ball. Uh, for, for people who don't know, by the way, Billy Donovan was an assistant under Rick Pitino at Kentucky. For years, he has been linked to that job. I actually, and I, I, 
I did report this in my book. So I, I forget all of the details. Now I should pull up my book one in fun. I believe the job was offered to him before Calipari in 2009 and he turned it down. But look, the guy is still, believe it or not, in his 50s, which is kind of blows my mind. He's been around forever, but he's still 57, probably got seven, eight, nine good years left. And he's in year three with the, with the Chicago Bulls. They're probably going to miss the playoffs. Now, right now, they're right on the cusp, 10 seed, playing game, whatever. It's a disaster. It's not going to work. We know how the NBA works. They might give him another year, but they're not in position to be dramatically improved. And in the NBA, if you don't have a Giannis, if you don't have a Luka Doncic, if you don't have a Kevin Durant, you're not winning at a high level. I think he could see the writing on the wall at this point. Billy Donovan's another one that I would at least give a call to. And again, I would say, look, we'll give you till April. You got plenty of time to figure this thing out. But if something happens, if something happens, would you at least listen? I think Billy Donovan would be insane not to listen. What a segment. That, that is an all-timer. If that is not the most viewed clip on YouTube in the history of the Aaron Torres pod, I am going to be pissed. But listen, I'll just wrap by saying this. Um, I just said it three or four times, but I want to reiterate. I don't think John, I don't think anyone other than John Calipari is going to be the head coach of Kentucky next year. But as I said, we live in a world where I think even a week ago, it was at 0%. Don't think it's at 0% anymore. I just want to do take a quick break, come back. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Wednesday night in college hoops, Arkansas, Bama, UConn, Marquette. Some other games that happen throughout the night. Take a quick break. We will be right back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to go ahead and wrap with some actual on the court in college hoops because Wednesday was just an awesome night of ball. Okay. And I get it. Most of the good games were on all at the same time. We had Arkansas, Alabama, Xavier Creighton, UConn Marquette, Duke Pitt, all playing at the exact same time. But I do kind of want to whip around and talk about some of the bigger games on Monday night or Wednesday night, excuse me, because Tuesday and Wednesday right now are the days in college basketball. And like I said on Monday show, I think now that we're starting to move out of football, these Saturdays are going to get much more intense too with big time matchups. But let's start with that top 15 matchup, Alabama at Arkansas, final score in Bud Walton Arena, Alabama 84, Arkansas 69. First of all, I would say this, if you didn't watch the game, two things stand out. One, this game was a lot closer than the final score indicated. I love Alabama. We're going to talk about them in a minute. I think they're the best team in the country right now this second. But at the same time, um, this was a game that was a 
two-point game with under five minutes to go, and Alabama just ran away, away with it. So credit to them. They're awesome. We'll discuss them in a minute. But I hate to say it. You guys and girls know me. I am not blame the refs for everything guy. But unfortunately, the refs really hijacked this game. Are they the reason that Alabama won? That is not what I am saying at all. But what I am saying is 45 total foul calls in this game. That's embarrassing. That's terrible. That's awful. The SEC, Greg Sankey, I know you listen to this podcast. I don't think he really does, but he should. Greg Sankey, if you care about the product on the floor, you got to be better with the referee, man. It was so tough to watch. It was such an anticipated game. And as I said, 45 total fouls in 40 minutes of play. Oh, by the way, Arkansas had five, uh, uh, two players fall out. Alabama had uh, three players finished with four fouls apiece. So bottom line is you, you just there was no flow to this game, no rhythm, but Alabama wins. Now, in terms of Alabama, I don't really know that there's a ton for me to say about Alabama. I said it all on Monday. I, I, I know that. Monday, everybody coming out of the weekend wanted to make Kentucky, Alabama about Kentucky. What I said is I think Alabama might be the best team in college basketball. And the stat that I gave you and the numbers might have changed a little bit, but not by that much. Alabama right now is top 15 or at least coming out of the weekend. They're top 15 in scoring defensive field goal percentage. In other words, the the field goal percentage that other teams shoot on them, rebounding and block shots. They also shoot 36% from three. When you are elite on offense, on defense, rebounding and rim protecting, and you shoot 36%, you can beat anybody. And again, find me the better team. Purdue has its moments. UConn did beat Alabama early. Uh, Arizona has had its moments. I don't think anybody's playing better than Alabama right now. So this isn't, I'm not really going to talk too much about Alabama. I just think they're awesome. I think they're really good. I think the most impressive part about all this, you could argue their three most important players right now are all freshmen. Brandon Miller, the guy that we all talk about, this kid Noah Clowney has come out of nowhere, just an awesome, awesome, awesome player. And Jaden Bradley's really good too. So credit Alabama, credit Nate Oates. We'll probably try to get him on this podcast at some point. I love their team and what they're about. I do want to talk about Arkansas really quick though, because I, I, I do think there's a little bit of consternation in Big Pig Nation. And I'll say this, but it's one of those, I, I see both sides of it, right? Arkansas, with this loss, has now already taken three SEC losses. They are currently one in three in the SEC. And, and, and I think a couple things, right? Two, two things can be true, as I always say. From the Arkansas perspective, I think we do have to consider that they're basically missing two first-round picks right now in Trevon Brazil. Trevin Brazil. I always say Trevon. It's Trevin Brazil, who's out for the rest of the year with a knee injury. And Nick Smith Jr., who we just don't know what's going on at all with him. Not going to speculate, but it's not pretty. Last I heard, he's not even on campus right now as he's trying to rehab and get second and third opinions in Los Angeles. So we have to factor that in with Arkansas. But I also have to say, like, we have to factor in that injuries are part of this game, and it sucks. And it sucks that it's part of it. But listen, nobody feels bad for John Calipari because Cason Wallace went out two minutes into the South Carolina game. You got to play with the guys that you have available to you. And I haven't defended John Calipari. And so what I would say about Arkansas is at some point we have to, I'm not blaming anybody, but we have to evaluate this team based on the guys that they have. And so I do think there's some Arkansas fans concerned. The three point shooting does seem to be a big concern as it feels like everybody kind of has the blueprint right now. Make them make threes, 
Right now, outside of Joseph Pinion, who was really good the other night against Missouri, this is not a good three-point shooting team. They're shooting about 28% from three. But what I would also say, Arkansas fans, and, and, and like I said, two things can be true. It's okay to be frustrated. I think there's also a, a segment of the Arkansas fan base that remembers last year. Arkansas fans, I'm asking you a question. It's rhetorical. You know the answer. What was Arkansas's record last year after four SEC games? What was Arkansas's record last year after they finished second in the SEC, went to the Elite Eight, beat Gonzaga in the Sweet 16? It was one in three through four SEC games. And so the one thing that I will tell you, I always tell you about Coach Muss. If you're not an Arkansas fan and you don't like him, that's fine. I get it. But this guy, I think, in season is as good as anybody in college basketball at adjusting what he does and figuring out what works. We He's not a guy that's rigid. He's not a guy that's stuck to a system or a game plan or a lineup or a roster. He is going to tinker until he figures out the lineups that work for him. Go back to last year, and we've talked about it a lot. They had a kid named Trey Wade on the roster last year. Was barely playing to start the year. He gets inserted into the lineup at some point. The offense start, you know, the whole team starts clicking. Elite eight, and I, I, I'm not saying Arkansas is going to an elite eight. What I am saying is Coach Muss is going to continue to tinker with that lineup until he figures it out. Thought it was interesting on Wednesday night. He tried to go size for size. He started both of the Mitchell twins against Alabama. Brought Ricky Council off the bench. The only point I'm trying to make is this: if there's one coach I trust to figure things out in the middle of the season, it is Arkansas. And the other thing, too, about Arkansas is the schedule does get easier from here. Um, you know, you do uh, you, you do have uh, at Missouri next week, but at Vandy, Ole Miss at home, LSU at home, who you almost beat on the road, A&M at home. You do have Baylor on the road. Baylor's kind of up and down and South Carolina before the schedule gets a little bit more difficult into February. And oh, by the way, right now, an early February trip to Kentucky doesn't look that difficult with the way Kentucky's playing. So there is going to be time. For Arkansas to get hot, it's what they've done the last two years. I am not worried at all. From the UConn perspective, UConn goes to Marquette, and UConn falls at Marquette. Final score in that one, 82-76. to And whenever UConn loses, they're, oh, Torres, are you going to talk about it? Why are you going to defend your team? What are you going to say? This is what I would say. Listen, nobody ever wants to lose, but Marquette's a top 25 team. And what I don't think anyone could have anticipated about UConn the schedule broke weirdly bad for them early, but it will break nicely for them late. That's not an excuse. It's just a fact because you looked at the schedule early at Butler. First four big East road games at Butler, Butler stinks. Then at Xavier at Providence at Marquette, none of those teams Xavier was projected to be pretty good, but everyone expected Villanova and Creighton to be the two best teams in the Big East. That is not the case. UConn got them both at home early and beat both of them. But what has happened right now, Providence on the road. Providence is currently 6-0 in the Big East. Xavier currently 6-0 in the Big East, and we're going to talk about them in a minute. Marquette 6-1 in the Big East. Those three teams are a combined 18-1 in the Big East. The only game that any of them have lost Marquette at Providence in a bunch of overtimes. And so you may have played the three best teams in the Big East outside of yourself on the road to start the year. The good thing for UConn, it does get easier on the schedule. They get St. John's at home this weekend. They're going to beat St. John's. They get at Seton Hall. Then they get Butler, Xavier at home, at DePaul, at Georgetown. So they really are about to hit a spot just like Arkansas where they can really get on a run 
here in the middle of of January into February. The schedule, we didn't know it at the time, broke poorly, but it actually breaks very nicely on the back end. And again, a lot of those road games you have on the back end, at DePaul, at Georgetown, at St. John's, which is going to be like 80% UConn fans at the Garden. Uh, at Nova doesn't look as tough. Nova just lost to DePaul the other night, okay? So Villanova is, is a long way away from where they were. And I just think UConn is actually in okay position going forward. As for Marquette, let me just give credit to a guy that I crushed for years on this show, and that's Shaka Smart. Um, you know, Shaka went to Shaka was the, the bell of the ball at VCU. And it's ironic. Jamie and Christian, I told you, is now a contributor to the Aaron Torres media entity, everything that we're doing. Jamian was an assistant coach under Shaka during that 2011 Final Four run. I'm going to pick his brain about Shaka on Friday's show. But I was critical of this guy at Texas. As it turns out, it might just be a Texas thing, right? Texas just might be chaotic for everybody. And so Shaka goes to Marquette. Last year, they make the NCAA tournament. Right now, they are 14-4, and 6-1 and one in the Big East. And their losses are, like, all legitimately good. At Purdue early in the season, Mississippi State on a neutral court, Wisconsin on, uh, yeah, Wisconsin in a rivalry game, and at Providence. This is a Marquette team. Listen, I don't do bracketology at this time in the year, but I would guess Marquette's got to be, what, a 5-6 seed? You guys and girls can tell me. I don't want, I don't follow bracketology. It's just, it's, there's no point in doing it this early, but I just bring it up because Marquette might be better, and it's a credit to Shaka Smart, man. This is a guy, I think it took him a while Everybody, as I said, that Texas job is a very desired job, but it comes with a lot of other stuff off the court. And I do think Shaka might have just found his spot at Marquette. Big school, great resources, great facilities, great all of that. But oh, by the way, it's also a place where you can go ahead. You're in a professional city. The microscope isn't on you. You don't have a million boosters kind of messing with what you're doing. I think it's a perfect spot for Shaka, man, and he has been really, really, really good. One final result from the Big East that I do want to talk about, and I mentioned it a minute ago, but Xavier played Creighton, and Xavier gets the win in this one. It was a thriller. It was a great game. 90-87, the final score. And if you haven't been paying attention to Xavier, let me say this. Xavier is 14-3. and They are 6-0 and in the Big East, and they have currently won... 10 games in a row. And all I got to say is this. I don't care if you don't like Sean Miller or if you have negative memories from him dating back to the Arizona days. I tried to tell you for years that this guy is an elite college basketball coach. You guys yelled at me. You screamed at me. He never made a Final Four. He's overrated. He's terrible. He's this. He's that. Well, how you like me now, Sean Miller? 14 and 3, 10 and 0 in the 10 and 10 straight wins, 6 and 0 in the Big East. And when I think about Sean Miller, what stands out to me is this. I do think by the end at Arizona, it had run its course. Okay, we don't need to relitigate everything that happened. We've been through it a million times. But clearly, there was an investigation from the NCAA. Here's the crazy part about Sean Miller. Even when the investigation started, he was still able to bring in players and recruit at an elite level. Nico Mannion and Josh Josh Green, McDonald's All-Americans, the year after that investigation happened. The year after that, he signs Ben Matherin and Dalen Terry, who stay around for Tommy Lloyd last year and lead them to a number one seed. Listen, I've said it many times. It's no discredit to Tommy Lloyd, who is proving to be an elite coach. Tommy Lloyd elevated those players, but they were left by Sean Miller. And so this is a guy 
that historically, I think because he was at Arizona for so long, because it didn't end well, because it probably peaked about three, four, five years before he left, and because he never got to that elusive Final Four, I just don't think this guy ever got the credit that he deserved. But I've told you a million times, this is a guy that during his career has coached in four Elite Eights. Four Elite Eights, seven Sweet Sixteens as a head coach. You don't get to seven Sweet Sixteens and four Elite Eights if you don't know what you're doing. By the way, one of the Elite Eights was at Xavier when they were in the A-10. So that would be the equivalent of Dayton or Rhode Island or Temple. And Temple's not in the eights anymore. Be the equivalent of Dayton going to the, 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 the Elite Eight or Rhode Island going to the Elite Eight. That's what Sean Miller did. And then the following year, he took him to the Sweet 16. And then, oh, by the way, goes to Arizona. Two of those three Sweet 16 games, it came down to the final play. One was in overtime where they lost. I was at the game against Wisconsin in 2014. And so, listen, this isn't to, to, to make it a Sean Miller love fest here. It's to state the fact that this guy was always better than you guys and girls gave him credit for. It didn't end well at Arizona, but he is clearly thriving at Xavier. So congrats to Sean Miller. Congrats to Xavier. 10 and 0, uh, 10 straight wins, excuse me, 6 and 0 in the Big East. And they are looking really, really, really good right now as they sit at 14 and 3. And I'll tell you this if you like college hoops, pay attention. Sunday, noon Eastern, Marquette travels to Xavier. That will be one of the games of the weekend. That will be one that you don't want to miss. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Tour Sports Podcast. I think it's time for AT to get out of here. If you're not subscribed to the show, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Tour Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres at Aaron Torres pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That's all for today's show. I'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back Friday with a new episode, probably some college football, maybe a little hoops, Jamie and Christian two time NCAA tournament coach joining Aaron Torres media. He will be on the show Friday. And I think we'll bring back a little Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong to recap. It's been a few weeks since we've done that. So time for me to get out of here. Thank you guys and girls for listening. Hope everybody has a great night. Shout out to Dorn Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, UF head. Unblock me, bro. I'll be back on Friday tomorrow. New episode, Aaron Torres Bob. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.